Welcome back to another episode of Supercoach Insider. My name is Ben. And I'm Chris. Hello, this Chris. Is bit, this is actually a little bit weird, isn't it? It's a little bit weird. You're not right next to me. It's a little bit weird. I'll be um, thank you very much, Chris Kashiri, our special guest for this evening, calling in from Rockhampton, I believe, Chris. I am, yes. I'm on a work trip, and that seems to be happening more and more and more. So uh, I actually just <laughs> I packed my webcam and my. Uh, my nice little Astros with the, with its mic, so I could do some. Uh, and I actually made sure that the hotel I was staying in had some decent Wi-Fi. So um, this is all also that I could podcast. By the way, it's a pretty good effort, really. To be fair. Well, Chris, may I just <laughs> say that your headphones are very slimming to your face, but may I suggest you move over so everyone can see you. Um, <laughs> Okay, so yeah. thank you very much for joining us. This will be a uh, lovely episode of Supercoach Insider. So I am absolutely wrapped. To be here this week, uh, you can join us on the socials, so facebook.com forward slash SE Insider. And on Twitter, we are SE underscore Insider underscore on Twitch, Chris. We are twitch.tv forward slash SC underscore Insider uh, on YouTube and all major podcast platforms at Supercoach Insider. I'm going to have to move Ooh. my window because Chris keeps jumping around like a bloody llama. Um, what I do. I feel like we're like almost like Dr. Supercoach at the moment, calling in, getting special guests, mate. You know what? Yeah. It could be something that we uh, we incorporate more in the future, um, if, especially if I do keep traveling. So, um, yeah, this might be something of the norm you know, moving forward. Who knows? Well, maybe. But um, I say it's lovely to see your beautiful face. Uh, okay, Chris, interesting week of Supercoach. Um, I'm going to shoot across to you, mate. You know what? Being the host today, I'm actually going to be generous. <laughs> and um, So, Chris, how did you fare this week? Tell the kind people. Well, I'll tell you that I definitely beat you this week. <laughs> <laughs> Not hard this week. No, but I, I, look, I went all right. I didn't go fantastic. Um, I mean, the, the benefit to me this week is I didn't have five. So that sort of leveled the playing field because I'm still running with one rookie on field. So um, that rookie for me this week was, of course, Dylan Clark. And most people ran with Dylan Clark over five. So for me, it just made an even playing field. Um, I also had Hearn as well, but I did manage to get lucky in that department. I had uh, Chris Burgess has been sitting on my pond. So for lucky. Yeah, so and he went. He literally scored one point less than Logue. So most people were getting Logue to cover him. I got lucky that I had Burgess there, which meant that I had a grand total score of twenty three fifty seven. Um, I won seven of nine, I think. No, uh, let me have a look here. No, I only won five of nine league, league games, unfortunately. Um, <laughs> seven which, of nine, just blowing yeah, it up. So, yeah, exactly right. You're right. And I did increase my rank, but only by 1,100. So I thought I would actually go up a little bit more. You were upset. Um, yeah, I was close to 12. 1,184 rank change up, uh, which leaves me at 14,449 after going back down another 3K last week. So it's been a bit of a yo-yo back into the season after I hoped that I was going to come storming home and I'm sort of hesitant right now to really make any more changes to my team given the amount of ridiculous injuries that we've had in the last few weeks. Can I it say, It just Chris, seems to be getting worse and worse. Yeah, mate. You can say whatever you want. 
Why? Thank you. It's, you know what's even better doing microphone like this, Chris, is that when I talk, you actually shut up because you actually can't hear anything else. Um, lovely segue, though, on the yo-yo, because this week I brought in Elliot Yo, and may I say, the first three quarters, I was literally <laughs> in so much anxiety. I'm like, why did I do it? Like, the one time, you know how much I'm a hater of Yo this you week. Are. Uh, I was like, he's such a good option. He's been performing well. He's in not many teams. This could be my point of difference that I need. First three quarters on absolutely nothing. And I tweeted out Chizo because I mentioned um, a pistol and Chizo talking about um, Toby Green. I was like, oh, who do you think's more like dangerous, you know, anxious to watch? Is it, are you more anxious <laughs> to watch Toby Green or Elliot Yo? And uh, all the boys were like, hands down, Toby Green. Um, he doesn't so, really, Yo doesn't really perform in, in uh, blowouts. So early on when they were dominating the game, uh, he just wasn't performing. And then when they started winning, Elliot Yo was like, yeah, that's not happening. Yeah. <laughs> so well, it's a strange dynamic. He definitely performs better in closer situations. So I'm going to flick across to my team now, Chris, and get rid of your face. Uh, okay, so oh. season rank. So I actually did have Hearn. Uh, oh, no, yeah, there you are. You're actually in the top right-hand corner having a sip of water. Isn't that lovely? I wonder if I can blow you up a little bit. Um, <laughs> Here I was just, just thinking I could get away with having a little bit of a swig of water. <laughs> yeah, you get more TV time. Uh, I only realized I didn't have a beer. Uh, like I was like, oh, you're like, oh, I'm just going to have a beer. And I'm like... <laughs> Where's my beer? Yes. Uh, um, so I did have uh, my first donut for the year. Um, hey, I, I brought an Elliot Yo, and, and I could have gotten away with it. I didn't have any cover, and the worst part was it was a Sunday game. Hearn was a laid out, anarchy. I had a look, and literally, if they had have told me earlier, I could have brought in Stewart or someone, which wouldn't have netted me that many points uh, based on how poorly Stewart did. But all I had literally looked through all the options, I had like. JJ Johannesson, that was probably the only guy I could have brought in, and he's averaging 85. Horrible. Yeah, no, not worth it, because I'm like, okay, 15 points per game for the next, what, six games or five games or whatever. Yeah, Hearn's probably going to outscore JJ in the long run anyway, plus it's burning a trade. So in the end, I was like, right, let's just cop a donut, move on. I was a bit worried, though, because I did have Fife out. Uh, Bontempelli was under a cloud, so I was getting ready to trade Bontempelli for Havagas. I was really hoping Bont got... Um, Havagas, who I was going to trade good. Bontempelli for if he was out? Uh, midfielder, I have no idea. I was going to trade in Marshall. Sorry. Marshall was going to be my man if Bontempelli <laughs> went out. I was going to throw Dunkley forward. Right. I was going to put Marshall in my side. Luckily, Bontempelli played, so Ben Ashton doesn't get to have that uh, victory lap on me, but... Look, overall did pretty well. I was actually expecting to slide quite a lot. I mean, Bontepelli didn't do too well. I was lucky that a few of my defenders did quite well. Uh, didn't win any of my leagues, I believe. Where is it? Records. Uh, I did so bad this week. Um, yeah, it was just horrible. So uh, most of the leagues, I'm still ranked first or second, which is good. But yeah, ranked 421 now overall. So I did slide another 177 places. However, I've still got four trades up my sleeve, so I feel like I'm doing not too bad. I'm definitely making trades this week to really secure up my side a little bit, but yeah, that's where it, pretty much where it sits. I thought I was going to slide outside 500, but I'm still right up in contention, so I'm happy. Yeah, I mean, you're in the benefit of those that the players that have actually gone out. Most people in the top 1,000 have all of them. You know, they all would have Firehorn and likely have Bont as well, so... Um, that's probably why you didn't really slide down too much because most of the people around you all have the same players. Um, so where you probably unfortunately got hit is the fact that it was a donut not having Logue or not having like a, an actual you know playing rookie um, in defense. Yes. Um, that's probably the only way you really got hurt. If you, I mean, those actually, oh, it'd well, be surprising to have a look. 
those extra 55 points, you know, where would you be sit, uh, sitting if you had an extra 55? And it's probably going to be somewhere around where you started the round, I reckon. Or if yeah, I had a different so. premium instead of Fife, which would have been maybe Matt Crouch is starting to catch up on Fife's points. Maybe it's oh, only 200 man, points behind him. <laughs> you know what's great about this? I can see your eyes roll. I wouldn't be able to see that next to you. That's hilarious. Uh, dude, honestly, Matt Crouch is done for me. I'm never having him in a Supercoach side ever again. Ever. Ever again. Um, I'm completely done with Matt Crouch now in, in fantasy football. Um, he will never, ever make his way into another Supercoach Insider Chris team, ever. Fair enough. Just calling it now. He's on my burns. And I'm also considering, I'm very, very close to moving Canelio and Josh Kelly to that list as well. I'm, I'm both, both of those guys have traded in and out twice the past two years. There's like the Tom, Tom Rockcliffe syndrome where every year they're getting injured and every year I'm going to have to, have to burn trades to get them out of your team. And they just cost you points at the end of the day. So uh, looking at, uh, at that for next year, that not starting those guys. Yep. See how uh, we go. But yeah, you didn't start five this year. Um, so let's move into the rounds then. Uh, let's starting off. That hasn't necessarily not been a bad choice because I don't think he's going to play this week. I think he will. He's already down. He's pretty much locked in, mate. Check it. Ooh, check out, check uh, out your resources. Uh, I, I know he's a test, but yeah, they want him to play. But whether or not he does play is a different story. We'll get into that. So um, Adelaide versus Essendon, Chris. What are your thoughts, my friend? Um, look, to be honest, it was a bit bit crazy with uh, Brody Smith. Um, I I regret dropping him now. Oh, well, he's, so had a, he's had a complete role change, though. Yeah, he's actually playing through the midfield and uh, up to a wing, so he's moved up further up the ground. So. Um, he's kicking a lot of goals as well and from outside 50, which is helping. He actually could have scored way more, to be honest, in this game because he did a lot of inside 50s that turned into direct clangers. Um, had he not have done that, uh, you would have said, because in the first half, his, his scoring wasn't great at all. He was lucky to be where he was because I think he had 17 disposals in the first half and maybe five or six clangers. Um, so, Chris, I do believe I know that issue. Uh, I did seek clarification from the club this week. Apparently, he's been training with Brad Crouch. Um, which is why he's been butchering the ball inside Absolutely. 50. Absolutely. That makes, that makes more sense now. Yeah, you'd be surprised what two weeks of training with Brad Crash could do for you. Well, at least he kicks the ball long, unlike... Uh, that's, see, why, I mean, that's why he's got that midfield role. He's trying to get along to Jenkins so they can go over Tex Walker. This makes sense. This yeah. makes sense. Skip the guy that's actually going to kick the goal. <laughs> yeah, you're um, going to go over the spud farm and get to the gold. <laughs> Um, to be, yeah, so to be completely honest, uh, yeah, Brody Smith was the biggest highlight of that game. But yeah, Matt Crouch, man, every time he had like 32 disposals for a 90 or something, didn't he? How many disposals did he have? This it, it was stupid. So um, I just can't stand watching him play because he'll he gets an uncontested mark on the wing, short little 25 meter chip pass that usually hits the target, but they're just not worth any any points, super coach wise. Um, he's not the doesn't have clearances in the same effect that, say, Patrick Cripps does, where it's a hard ball get clearance. He usually gets a cheap little possession out of the clearance from someone else and then either fires it and then turns it over or another little handball out to someone else. It's 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 completely – watching him play is actually just really frustrating the hell out of me now. Um, probably a little bit like anyone who owns Rory Laird. <laughs> oh, mate, don't even bring me up. Uh, so here's a little fun fact. I might have actually hit record but not actually hit record. So – this will be very interesting when we get to the end of it. So, well, it says it's it's here, and I'm trying to look for drop frames and everything else. It says zero drop frames, and I don't actually know if I'm recording. So, <laughs> there you go. Well, um, it'll be a little red red button in the bottom right. So There's a red button that says record, but I don't see anything else. It, it says recording. end stream, though, so I think we're good. No, I, don't know. I don't even know. 
I don't know. No one knows what you're doing. No one knows, but I'm provocative. So look, worst case scenario, people can just watch it back on Twitch where they should be to begin with. So let's just move on from there. Uh, but yeah, oh, Brody Smith. I could have brought Brody Smith back in for Dersma, which would have been stupid. I should have just got rid of Dersma in the first place. If only I couldn't afford Hearn, I would have kept Smith over Dersma. And then I couldn't afford Whitfield, so I had to get Laird because I couldn't get Max Gorn otherwise. So literally 5K has been the bane of my existence twice. <laughs> and it's cost me twice because I kept Dersma over Smith, and then I then had to make that decision, and I couldn't get Whitfield. I had to go for someone else. And stupid me chose Laird because he's consistent and he doesn't get injured, and he's been horrible. So bad. Like, uh, ridiculous. It's, he's just not getting the disposal he did last year at the end of the day. That's his biggest issue is that he is a, you know, he, the only way that he scored last year was getting 40 disposals cons- consistently, and he's just not getting that amount of the ball. No, uh, and, and even that, when they... That could be coaching. It could be the way that they play, um, but he's just not getting the pill as much as he was. Um, and on the... Oh, nice nice of the wild, Jack. I respect that. On the flip side of the coin, on the Essendon side of things, uh, I've, I actually traded in Zach Merritt. So Zach Merritt was my Canelio trade this week. Um, pretty happy with it now, but at halftime when he was on 36, I was looking at the scores going, shit, I've made a mistake. <laughs> so, <laughs> and um, you told me you were going Zorko. You spoke up Zorko so hard yeah. and you, you pulled it. You didn't do it for cash reasons, I guess. Yeah, well, by trading to, to merit, it means that I've got two trades left in 92K, which means if I get any sort of injury, I can sideways to pretty much anyone because I've got 100K sitting there. No, I'm not. I'm not uh, upset, Chris. I respect you more going Merritt than uh, Zorko. So, and I love the Zorko. I was just, I was just, uh, I was just joshing with you, but yeah, now nah, so, um, look, Essendon played fairly well, but realistically, Adelaide should have won the game. To be completely honest, they just threw it away. Uh, yeah, and just well, stupid turnovers in dumb positions on the ground. It just cost them really big. So you really have to back in though. Essendon's belief is just absolutely ridiculous. But um, yeah, that's pretty much the main thing to take out of this game is that positional change for Brad. Uh, so for Smitty. Uh, Brody Smith, so if you still have him, definitely be licking your chops because that is a really good move there. Uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting. So Dylan Clark, though, holding people in good faith, got a 77, and he is the perfect M9 cover at this point in time. If you can hold him or maybe even a setter field for that swing, these guys, if you can afford That's to hold so them. Key. Yeah, yeah. Like, just for those uh, one weakers, like for a five or if someone just gets a bit, a bit tight, oh, yeah. just for the weakers. Uh, if you're low awesome. on trades, I, I don't think you can affo- afford to get rid of Dylan Clark. I was I could upgrade I could then I would have zero trades and I'd have a full premium team but I would have to upgrade Dylan Clark. Yeah, correct. I could actually then, go uh, Clark and Haitley to Hill and um, like a Mitch Duncan or similar like 510k or something. But if I get a an injury, I then have to play Bewley on field or you know or Hill on field. Whereas Dylan Clark is that extra security he's got the potential to score close to 100 he's been very very consistent and he's getting really good roles in the team so i actually feel that it's probably going to be more beneficial to hold on to clark and play him for the next few weeks as opposed yep. to the other round so if, if only you held on to walsh and then you could update upgrade a dylan clark or something you know that would have been nice, oh, <laughs> would, have been nice. would have been nice um yeah so pretty much after that though richmond and port Adelaide, which is interesting richmond are starting to look like a big force getting all their big boys back. Jack Rewalt must be just loving life now that Tom Lynch is actually getting some form. He's had, what, 17 weeks, 18 weeks of preseason, finally getting some games. Uh, he played <laughs> <week> preseason. <laughs> he played big, though. He was literally, you see him hit some of those packs, though. He just bulldozed, absolutely just smashed through people, running with intent. And that was the biggest change with Tom Lynch. 
getting more possessions. He only kicks slightly more goals, like average three goals a game for the last couple, but his disposals have gone up. The amount of ground he's covering has gone up. Rewalt's just loving life because, you know, you're going to take the big giant, aren't you, first, the big contested grab. So Rewalt's just getting a free run. Agreed. And uh, he's fifth in the Coleman. He's kicked 40 goals this year. People, oh, 40 goals? Uh, yeah. Jeez, that's, that's good from being underdone. Like, it has to Not be good. Not bad at all. He's only two behind Tom Hawkins, who's had a great year. Three behind Jack Darling, who by all reports has had a terrible year. Yeah. Um, and six behind Ben Brown in second spot. The only one that's really out of the pack, of course, because, Cameron. you know, Collingwood loves playing spuds into four and is, is obviously Jeremy Cameron. <laughs> we'll, we'll, get to, we'll get to him in just a second, but... Um, Look, Hurley repaying the faith with those owners with a 111. Dusty actually not too bad. 30 disposals, one goal, uh, just efficiency again. They were Dusty, only 104 points in a win. So uh, it looks like classic Richmond's actually starting to come back into the fold where they're really sharing their points and showing the load. There's no too many standouts, though, like a lot of guys in the 80s and 90s for Supercoach. Uh, I think they're actually starting to look dangerous, and I don't like it, Chris. I don't know how you feel. Uh, no, Richmond's starting to like peak it. at the right time, and Collingwood is starting to drop at the, the wrong time, should you yeah, say? Yeah, can you, can you see what I'm... Boy for a few years, I don't know. So I'm, I'm okay with it. No, I can you see. You don't have your glasses on, Chris. How, how's your vision? Um, it's not it's not just, fantastic, I'll be honest. But just, you're in a, you are in a small box in the corner, but I can see the West Coast. Well, you know what else around. was a small box in the corner? Is Dom Sheed, and he kicked that box from that corner, mate. <laughs> Straight through the middle, let me tell you. Um, <laughs> you know, well, you know who we played and, and, and beat the shit out of the week before was Richmond, and that's this week. So I look, I do look forward to Friday night just so we can put a little bit more icing on that cake and, and make them eat a little bit more humble pie. But uh, I actually do think that Collingwood will win this week. I think there's something about the matchup that just doesn't suit Richmond when they play Collingwood. And for some reason, we actually end up playing well against the Richmond team. So I'll see to see how that works out this week, considering that we're probably on our last legs with uh, injuries. Yeah, you're playing well against um, Richmond because you get that. You know, someone who's been really, really good this year, Brandon Ellis, has been absolutely fantastic yeah, imagine, most of the year, especially from dumping, a draft related option. dumping him in a keeper in most league. leagues, he ended up uh, in getting onto the waiver wire early, and uh, and people who were luckily um, in the first position of the waiver got some really nice choices early with that uh, with Brandon Ellis. So it's been really good this year. Hey, Chris, He's averaged ninety. Imagine dropping yeah, Ellis in a keeper league and a draft league and letting me pick them up twice. <laughs> Did that actually happen? That, that actually mean? that actually happened. That that is you. Uh, very short vision. So uh, across the Port Adelaide though, Boak uh, again fairly consistent. Um, if they didn't get beaten so comprehensively, like Boak was definitely one of the top scorers for Port the whole day. It's just they got absolutely smashed. Their, their defense was so undersized, just yep. completely out of their depth. It was like under 16s playing under 12s in the like, you know forward versus defense. They were just. They battled hard, yeah, but week, the, the height? Yeah. Just this week, uh, so Boak didn't train today, but word is that he will be playing this week um, and was just managed today with his training load. So um, I wouldn't worry too much about it. It, it looks like he's going to play, but um, there is some sort of worry there about Boak. Um, but, uh, yeah, there is, the, the advice is that he will play, so we'll see how that goes. Um, outside of that, I mean, obviously, there's so many um, players here that, that probably get a mention. Another thing that helped me out this week was a lot of people who had Robbie Gray, and he turned out his, his first stud score in a while with a 60. Yeah. I'm glad that uh, that happened too. Um, so that really uh, impacted some players out there. Uh, people who still hold on to, um, who got Lysette and Westhoff, um, you know, solid scores without being fantastic. You, you know, you, you take that as an F6. Um, if you really were desperate, 85 and 81 respectively. Um, but yeah, they just got beaten all over the park, and they were lucky to be lucky to be within six goals. To be completely honest, 
Uh, tell you who's been on a stupid run though is Darcy Byrne Jones. Uh, Yes. Absolutely stupid. And this is someone I probably didn't give enough respect to, but from round nine, uh, 101, 115, 90, 84, 80, 117, 121, 130, and then an 87. And uh, I'll tell you what, if they Port actually played a bit better, uh, yeah, he probably would have actually been up there because him and Boke were pretty well topping the scores for Port. Uh, interestingly enough, though, they have GWS Essendon, Sydney North, and Frio to come. It's actually not a bad draw for Port Adelaide to come. So, yeah, GWS will be a hard one, but Essendon, Sydney, North, and Fremantle, they can all leak points on any given day. He's actually not a bad little sneaky option. I mean, when you look at his price, uh, what is he? He's 525000 uh, I would take Whitfield hands down over him because of that price difference, but his run lately has been good, and he's probably been a shining light. Apart from all the young guys from Port Adelaide and apart from... Um, you know, Boak and, and Lysette really standing up. You know, Darcy Byrne Jones has actually, for me, been one of the standout performers this year. I actually put him in the top three replacements for Hearn if you can afford to trade him this week. So I, I do think that um, he's an option if you already have Whitfield, which a lot of people already do. Um, and the other one probably sitting in front of him is uh, Dane Rampey, which you must love oh. a lot. Hey? Um, I don't even know why. he. Why hasn't he fallen off? Oh, the show, us, show us your Rampey. Oh, like, okay, so that's been my call. Rampy just keeps chipping away. Mind you, Sydney have had a pretty easy run the last few. Yeah, put but a, put him on some hard, put him like on some hard matchups, though. Put him on some hard matchups, and Rampy will get you a 40. It's going to happen. has to happen. <laughs> if not, I'm going to, like, hate life. Because... I will put money on the fact that he does not go 40 or below for the rest, like, okay, in the 40, 40 or below. 49 or below. 45? Give me 45. Yeah, for something. the rest of the year. What, 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 uh, what odds are you going to oh, show us your odds? It has to be, like, 5 to 1 or something, surely. One to one, one to one. Uh, it's, it's, it's good value. It's good value. Um, yeah, it's good value. What annoys me more is that Ben Ashton has been so lucky this year with Hooli he got early. I was like, no way in hell. No way Hooli keeps going. Yeah, Marshall gets Marshall very early, kills it for the year. Then he goes and gets in Rampy after, what, three, two big games. He brings in Rampy and he's asking it. Absolutely asking it. And it's just Taranto now that's a that's a godsend pick as well, look to be oh, fair. Well Taranto is Taranto is the Bradbury of GWS. He literally is everyone, that is the best definition of Taranto I've ever heard. Everyone falls over in front of him. Like, yes, he's been great, but come on, everyone falls over in front of him and then all of a sudden it's like, Hey look, I'm the lone wolf in this midfield and I'm just gonna rack up the pill. Show us show us your lone wolf. Show us yeah, show us your lone wolf. <laughs> From my back. So, lone wolf. Yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway, so that's enough about that game pretty much. Um Interesting. Over to also, another, another win from Carlton. Yes. Uh, also, quickly as well, Hartlett only getting a 51. So, awesome work for those that brought him in. Yeah. <laughs> terrible pick, really, let's be fair. Shows your sarcasm. Um, but, yeah, um, <laughs> Carlton. And this is another one that annoyed me. I made a bad captain call this week, Chris, and you, you are well aware. But um, all week I had Crips into Grundy. I was talking so much smack, A, because I thought it would be fun, and B, I like to talk a lot of smack. Um, I was saying Crips into... You barely noticed it. Yeah, you can barely notice it. Uh, Crips into Grundy. I was like, it's the easiest thing ever. And I was like, no, no, Grundy into like Gorn or Grundy into McRae. And I was like, no, no, like, I was like, Crips into Grundy, if not maybe McRae. And um, I was like giving Peveron so much crap. I was like, okay, well, good luck turning down that 180 or whatever because he averaged 171 for the last two rounds against Gold Coast. So I was like, 90% of the time, it's going to happen. 60% of the time, it's going gonna, it's gonna to happen. And uh, what happens? He highly underperforms, uh, highly underscores, just <laughs> Apparently makes... he rolled his ankle or something in the first quarter. Yeah. That's what I heard, and I, I didn't see it because I wasn't watching the game. 
But um, I was just no, counting. I don't think there's any risk of missing, but yeah. I didn't watch enough of it, Chris. I was too busy counting my tears. Um, <laughs> so yeah, it, it was it was definitely up there. And as a really rash last minute decision, I was like, oh my god, Gorn's playing an undersized ruck essentially over in uh, Darwin. So I was like, he should score well, even though he's coming a bit underdone. Grundy is versing two rucks, and they're going to target him. Like, Mumford's going to bash him up. He's playing away from home. So literally 10 minutes or so before the game, I changed my captain off Grundy. And I hated life so bad. Rule number one. Do not, rule number one, ne- not, never, yeah. never discount Grundy. Yeah. Rule number one, always always start with Grundy for the next five years. Rule number two, always VC or C Grundy. Rule number three, never change your VC and never doubt Grundy. Um, and it's a simple life motto, I think. We're going to have to start this start this trend. I do believe that. Um, look, and uh, look in terms of Carlton, they've had some role changes that we've noticed in the last few weeks, which has really improved scoring. So Ed Kerr now with a 116 is probably the, the highlight of that. I won't be even looking at him. In fact, I do warn people against him because he's also the guy. We'll whilst he's got a yeah, exactly right. If they need to lock someone down, he's going to be that guy. Yeah, um, especially when you first Gold Coast. I mean, who's he going? Who's he going to try and lock down? Yeah, well, exactly right. But if you have a look at his 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 last four weeks have been absolutely fantastic. But yep. um, this is this this isn't a new thing for Ed Kerner. Last year, as you know, I brought him in. He was averaging 111. Over the first 11 rounds of the season, I brought him in. He averaged 85 on the back end of the year. Yeah. So be, he's, there's every chance that he just drops off a cliff. So He'd be perfect um, for draft leagues, though, uh, particularly for ones that where he was underperforming. He was playing forward. And here's the yep. stupid thing, though. He, Murphy was playing forward. Kernel was playing forward. They are playing him out of the positions. Yeah, you're older. Let's get some young guys in there. And the young guys were getting flogged. They're getting exposure, but they're getting flogged. Nuge coach comes in and saying... Well, regardless of your age, this best is... Players. Yeah. Well, it's, it's for two reasons. First of all, it's to save the coach because the coach wants to make an impression, right? So yeah, you're he doesn't go want to wins. develop kids. He's not going to develop kids. He just wants to get some wins on the board, right? And Bolton's just best... falling on his own sword. Just Exactly right. Um, so, you know, puts puts his best midfield mix in there, which is Cripps, Kurnow, and Murphy. They're, they're, they're now the starting three mids. Um, Kurnow's gone 107, 111, 117, 116 the last four. And even before that, he had a 128 against Brisbane and then a, a really bad drop of 39 against what, uh, the Bulldogs. What's his price, Chris? Kernow, he's, 492. Oh, he's too expensive. Unlucky. Uh, yeah, so I just, I don't know. Too expensive. I would say, look, buyer beware. I'm not, I would never because I've been burnt by him. But if you're looking for an option under 500K, he's he's around in the mix. He's somewhere in that mix. So I, I wouldn't yeah. ride him completely I'll, off. I'd take merit any day, though. About um, some other cheap options you could have a look at. Um, Sam Petrovsky Seaton, I know you love hearing that name. He's actually moved to the half back line. So Yeah, he's actually looked really good at half back. So I would not be surprised if he plays another five rounds there. If he racks up enough of it, because he was forward earlier. So it would be hilarious if because he started here's the funny thing, it's quite it's gotta mess him up, surely, because he started in that midfield and on the wing, right? Did pretty well. Then they moved him forward. Now they moved him to defense. I mean, literally, this guy's like a Hershey's kiss. He does it all. So I'm wondering, though, probably a lot forward, but if he racks up 100% time in defense for the, like, say, seven-round sample, he could actually push himself up to that, what, 25 30%, 30%, 35% that they need. So uh, Yes. Well, I don't 35%. Know. I'm, It'd be interesting. I'm quite confident that he won't be defend next year. I think he'll still be a forward. Yeah. But I think playing in defense, I think he can average between 90 to 100 next year. Um, and so it's one to keep on your radar for next year because I think he'll be cheap enough. He's currently averaging 83 points per game or might maybe yeah. slightly more. What, what's what's um, the line you took, Chris? 
Uh, people? Ninety-two. No, ninety-one and a half. But yeah, ninety-one and a half was. But that was from when he actually got picked, right? So I've got. That was from when he was doing well, and you were going to bring him in your side, and I gave you so much yeah. shit. He's averaging yeah. eighty-four, but I, I honest, honestly believe yeah. that he's going to be. Uh, he's got a breakout potential for next year. Someone that I've definitely circled is if he gets forward, um, if he gets forward mid and is playing defence, a little bit like Caleb Daniel, he could get really, really good consistency. He's got great decision-making skills. He's got a good kick on him. Um, very accurate, short kicking. I, I can see that role um, being moulded around him. So we'll see how that goes. Yeah, this could be Kate Simpson's last year. I, I so, think he. I think he's cooked. He he's doing the team thing, but he's just uh, it's just it's not Kate Simpson ish. Like it, no. it's the worst thing. Like he's 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 contributing, but he's not standing out anymore. Well, he is getting he's good enough to be in there twenty two, but that's not saying much, is it? No. I mean, Dale, you know Thomas, I mean? Dale so, Thomas is in there 22, and that's not saying much yeah. either. So, Having said that, you did get Doherty back hopefully next year. Yeah. He'll come in and, and think, change things up as I well. I think so. he'll make way. I think Simpson will take on more of a coaching role. I think he's so invaluable, and he's a legend, so I don't want to down-talk him at all. But he's he's not standing out, and he's just filling that role, and he's just kind of he's, he's going missing now where you, can, you don't even realize that he's playing some of the time, um, which... You know, and he's, I don't he's, think they can. I don't know if they can do a Brisbane, but I think they can probably do, you know, a Bulldogs where they are going close to the eight um, from where they are this year. I reckon that the next year they might go somewhere like nine to twelve, uh, Carlton, if they get the right coach. Yeah, and they have they need time with injury. They need the right they structure for sure. They need the right they structure. Uh, one yeah. person I do want to touch on is Setterfield. Uh, I think he's actually been unleashed a little bit more as well, and it, I think he had that bit of an injury issue earlier. He started slow. He had a couple of good games. Had a couple of absolute stinkers, but um, let me bring him up. But he's actually been really consistent of late. And by consistent, I don't mean he's been setting the world on light, uh, a light. But when you look at for Setterfield, um, 324K, so at least he's made a good amount of money for those that have kept him. When you go through it, though, let's have a look. So he's actually been really good for, say, the last seven rounds. You go 64, 67, 62, 72, 74, 70, 61 which yep. is a low of 61 in seven rounds. That's actually not bad for a guy that can play forward and midfield. As again, if you're getting low on trades, he, he he's playing every game. He's in their best 22. He's got that dual flexibility, which is perfect for some rounds. I'm actually waiting for the time where he actually pulls it out because there's been at least, and I watch him quite closely with his scoring, there's been at least three or four times he's been on like 50 at halftime. Yep. It was, I think it was a couple games ago, maybe against Sydney. He was on like, 56 or something at halftime, I was like, yes, this is going to be the game. And then he ends up with 70. And I'm like, FN Setterfield just goes disappearing for a quarter and a half and does nothing. Absolutely nothing. Well, it's because he's got major minutes in the forward line, which, of course, fluctuates his score. But Especially with Cullen. Well, yeah, the good thing is with when he had the role he's playing is he usually gets a mismatch in the forward line. So he's much taller and much bigger than the guys he's usually playing on, which means, you know, strength-wise or and contested marking – he can score quite well in bunches if he gets the right opportunity. So, um, you know, it's more of a next year pick. I wouldn't be looking at him anything this year, but he's, he's done justice for those that have held on to him because he's always just going to be around. You know, he's, he's in the best 22. He's going to be scoring some points in your field. He might be a warm body. He also provides that mid-forward swing, so it hasn't been too terrible. Um, and looking over to the Gold Coast side of things, someone I've been super impressed with um, most, basically most of the year is Dan McPherson. Another yeah. 105 this week. He's averaging 85 on the season as a forward, which if I if you told me that at the start of the season, I would have grabbed it and draft with both hands and never let go. Um, but look at his, his scoring since round 
eight is 109, 87, 109, 119, 86, 73, 97, 94, 79, 105. So he's had one score at uh, 73s, his lowest, and everything else has been pretty much between 79 and 119. Very, very consistent. Um, he's obviously been playing a lot through midfield, so I don't know if he's going to be able to get forward status next year. But if he does, he could be a really good, cheap, you know, 350 to 400K forward mid player um, that you'd be able to bank in. And I think he might even go that sort of 95 average next year. So You're right. uh, keep think, an eye on Dan McPherson. Yeah, I think he's been very impressive. And um, when, when it comes down to it, I mean, the Bulldogs passed on him as a, a father-son and he was super cheap. Uh, he did well that year. I think he had an injury the time he was 102K. But I, I actually really like with how they're doing all this rookie sort of work at the moment. Um even Gibbons now. I mean, who would have thought Gibbons is still performing at that high elite level? Who would have thought Stack would have come in? And he's been killing it as well. Like, he is now so embedded into that best 22 that they're like, oh, okay, so there's no real room in the defensive line, so you know what? We're going to put you forward. And then he gets up, gets a spec, he kicks some goals. So versatile. He's played really well in the forward line, to be completely yeah. honest. Exactly what they need. Um, also, Will Brody, uh, keep an eye out for your keeper leagues. So that guy, I tell you what, he knows how to rack up the pill. Um, is that, is and. That- is he in your team, is he, Chris? Because you're just talking him up. He is. I've actually... <laughs> oh, I knew it. You talked Dude, him up. You talked him I, up. I love it. Dude, I've actually gone the last... I am. I did have made finals, but um, for the last couple of days, I've actually uh, just traded another couple of guys. I'm going super young in my Keeper League to try and get some trade buffer for the end of the year. Um, I've got a lot trade of guys buffer. that have breakout potential. Yeah, so I, I'm going to... You can only take 12, mate, and I don't have much room. Hey, I'm already sitting on about... 14 to 15 people and I'm going to have to start trading or, or skimming basically. I've so, got some really good trade potential that I'm going to float and dangle in front of everyone for some draft picks. Uh, also for those yeah, playing draft and for Keeper Leagues particularly, now is a good time to trade for those like myself exactly. and Chris who have um, a plethora of youth. You could then go and go, okay, so you're going young. Who are the experienced people in your side, for instance, or vice versa? It's a really good time to trade. So those that are in the window, the top four, it's probably a good thing if you trade out someone that's on the fringe, maybe even like a parish or someone or other trying to get that that person that can play the next two or three years but win you this year. Uh, it's all about the wins. So, it, you know, it's definitely looking at that sort of market um, when it comes to that. So, Speaking of young guys that have uh, an abundance of talent, uh, over to the GWS and Collingwood game. Uh, Keenor continues to impress or IQ or Quainor or however you pronounce it and I'm really not sure on how that is. Um, but he continues to impress, and I think he's going to be a very, very good super coach player down the track. Um, uses the ball beautifully, can take an intercept grab, um, probably just needs a little bit of work in terms of uh, reading, the, reading the actual ball in flight because he looks like he sort of rushes to the ball and then it, it might go over his head sometimes. Yeah, and um, I think that, that but, comes with experience, though, too, because the game's a bit exactly, quicker. Yeah, the game's a bit quicker, so you need yeah. to decide quicker. You need to get there quicker. Whereas he's kind of like in seconds or when he's younger, he's like, I can get there. Next minute, the ball's like, oh, crap, now I'm in no man's land or I'm not there, I'm there a bit late. Yeah. yeah. It doesn't help him that he's, you know, he's been playing, like last week against GWS, he was playing sometimes against Jeremy Cameron. You know, they were so um, short down back that they're like, oh, it was beg, just ridiculous. Beg to differ, Chris. It doesn't help him that he's playing for Collingwood uh, is the oh, big issue. Oh, oh. <laughs> half, Meanwhile, half. I don't think I've ever, like, I don't know what, what makes me happier Seeing Brisbane sitting second on the ladder above Collingwood or watching Collingwood get spanked by 50 points in the first quarter. It's it a real big great. toss-up. Absolute big toss-up. Uh, Can I segue this? You know, it was a gamble that did not pay off. and the, it, This is largely uh, their coaching fault, uh, in my opinion. 
Um, now, they went the route of most teams go with a, a smaller forward, uh, defense line to try and uh, beat the defense in the spread, and they back their guys in to create a contest at the fall of the ball, which has been happening in modern football for the past two or three years. We got absolutely spanked eerily. The delivery was obviously really, really good, but Finlayson, Himmelberg, and Cameron were just absolutely dominating our tall defenders. The only one that really was any good was Roughhead, but um, what they really did well was their Ruckman, which was usually either Dawson Simpson or Shane Mumford, was taking Roughhead out of the play to impact the, um, the contest. So he wasn't able to get to the contest to spoil the ball, which which would bring Collingwood Smalls into the game. That wasn't happening because they were dragging him out of the play. So they did a really yeah. fantastic... I'm pretty sure it was like Cameron three goals, uh, Finlayson three goals, and Himmelberg like two goals or something crazy. Um, speaking of uh, um, tough questions and stuff, Chris, and segueing into this, uh, it's funny because we had a, a tough question asked this week from I think it was Swizz or Matt, one of the two guys that we um, in constant contact with. So it was... Basically, from the Scott Thompson ruptured testicle and the uh, Impey ACL, and Impey's been awesome for Hawks this year and probably underrated, to be honest, but the question is, if you're an AFL player, would you rather rupture an ACL or rupture a testicle? And it really divided people, and there's quite a few people saying, oh, no, no, I'd rather rupture my ACL. I'm like, yeah, but now you're out for 12 months, you know, whereas a testicle's like five days of excruciating pain, but you could play in a week or two. and um, But it's still divided a lot of people. So we put it out on the poll. We put it out online. And it's funny on enough. On the line? On the line. Yeah, right. And uh, we put it out on the line. And it actually came back combined between Twitter and Facebook. We're looking at 600 votes, essentially. And 53% said, take my left nut. So, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it, again, uh, it, it's still a very very close debate and um, I think it was very worthy of a See, I already have a busted ACL so I'm good Let's yeah. do this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah so Chris Collingwood where did it all fall down my friend uh, well, as I said the forward line was, was the absolute oh sorry their forward line they absolutely killed us um, our forward line didn't wasn't terrible but I, the biggest thing that's happened to us this year 100% is Jaden Stevenson he's completely changed our forward mix we haven't been the same team since he left uh, and the reason is, you know, now he was usually the, that one out over the back. But defences had to change their structure to be able to compensate for that. But we haven't also, I mean, complementing to that, we haven't had Jamie Elliott. We also haven't had Josh Thomas. Those were the other two that had played with him predominantly through that. And because of our loss of Dane Beams um, and also Taylor Adams to a lesser extent, we're now playing to goey around the ball. So we don't have our forward mix. Our forward's line is completely sh- shattered. Yeah, all, um, over, all over 35 bucks in betting or something. Was it 24, 35? Oh, yeah, over three bets. Well, what, what is your take on the, oh, you know what, stuff it. We're not going to go into all that publicity. It's already media overhyped. It's done. It's done. Yeah, Brody Grundy's a jet. Um, he actually got, yeah. uh, he's, he's 157. That should have been a 180. It, it was closer. It could have been a 200, to be honest. But a lot of his um, disposals were turnovers. So even uh, first possessions from the clearance, it, uh, handball, direct clang a turnover. Whereas if they had hit the target, it's just points, points, points instead of uh, getting negative points. So You you know what's funny, Chris? When you combine, so Mumford and Simpson combined, they had 14 disposals and 38 hitouts. 14 and 38. Grundy had 31 and 48. Yeah. So he had the same amount of hitouts. He had the same amount of hitouts as two people, and he had more than double the disposals. However, 
their role in keeping Roughhead out of the play was well worth the, the experiment that they did. So, again, that's just a testament to really good coaching from Leon Cameron and, and the inability of Collingwood to adjust. Yeah. Um, again, Darcy Moore out does in, impact that highly. Oh, huge. Can't uh, believe they I, still haven't got Tyson Goldsack in, which doesn't make sense to uh, me. But. This week it is a possibility, apparently, but uh, I actually think Darcy Moore being out could actually be a part of the reason that Howe actually performed quite well as well. I think, as we spoke earlier, Darcy yeah. Moore in, Howe's role was a bit different. Also, whereas, those uh, two hangers that he took weren't too bad either. Yeah, right. But he be, he then becomes more of that sort of, okay, so you can then use his mark and leap and be a little bit more um, free to play the way he usually plays, whereas before I think he was a bit more role dependent. So uh, it's not surprising that Howe, I mean, scored a 90, which is probably one of his better scores in the last three months. Um, yep. Could be, I don't even know how cheap he is, but I'm going to have a look at that in a second, where Trelaw has been killing it. Getting so very much of the ball. This year. Very consistent. Getting so much of the ball. Has not, only dropped below 100 four times. And yep. after that, he's had six in a row over a ton. So it's not, his ceiling isn't as big as it's been previously. He's had one score of 150, but everything else, basically, typical Trelaw getting so much of the pill, but butchering it. So... He's well, right. a couple of things that need to um, we need to address though from this game um, on the GDRS side of things, there was quite a few different role changes. So uh, this is obviously part of Josh Kelly not being there and also Taranto not being there. Uh, Chris, uh, so not Taranto, uh, Canelio. Chris, the people would like to hear Trelaw's scores for the next last six weeks first. Uh, oh, will they really? Yeah, I don't think they did. Can we one, get a shout out in the, in the one, chat? 104, 117, 136, 100, 125, and 116. The four times he's gone under 100 is 83, 86, 68, and 93. So really only one score below the 80. I think he's a great option. And if he wasn't actually quite highly priced, I mean, he's 563K, but if you can afford it, I think he's a great option only in 18% of sides. Uh, he's very consistent. If you do still need to replace someone, if someone goes down, five doesn't get up, etc. I think, um, yeah, Trelaw is actually a really good option. So there you go. Sorry, Chris. Yeah, yeah, I don't, the, the, go for the change. I don't mind him. He he obviously usually um, finishes with a flurry as well. Um, so Whitfield obviously played a lot more behind the ball for two reasons. First of all, um, Zach Williams was played on the ball, so he actually played oh, yeah. in in and around the ball this week um, at clearances at centre stoppages. He actually should have scored more again, but he turned the ball over something chronic. So he had twenty six disposals, but. Um, when I say turn the ball over, a lot of them were from direct clearances. So he'd clear the ball without looking. So usually when Zach Williams uses the ball, it's very good because he's in open space, he's running and carrying, and he's, he's beautiful by foot. But those snaps you know, around his shoulder, etc., they were getting turned over. So uh, I wouldn't, even though he got 103, it could have been much, much higher. It could have been 120 plus easily had he had kicked accurately. Um, had quite a few tackles, which was good. Um, surprisingly, of course, or unsurprisingly, we should say that led to a Taranto good score. Taranto again should have been a 140 this week, but he butchered the football again, and that seems to be his massive linchpin. At three-quarter time, he already had 11 tackles for the game, and he ended on 13. Um, so that's what drove his score up. He was really, really sucking with ball in hand and turning over the ball at ineffective disposal. So his massive uh, Achilles heel is just his disposal. He just can't seem to get that right. But if he did, he would be an absolute jet, especially as a, the number one choice midfielder, or as you like to call him, the, the Bradbury. Um, Toby Green as well, of course. Oh, um, started in the center square, played really well. Um, 112, and I think as long as he can stay on the park and the role's there, he's going to be good until the end of the year. Yeah, um, well, definitely for draft leagues. Like, yeah, 100% Some people, some people might still have him. So again, look at those matchups, see who you're up against. 
Um, the big the big t- tick of approval for me, and I know it's hard because a lot of draft leaks are next week, but Josh Kelly, uh, if he comes back in, will that change his role? Will he push yeah, forward again? Yeah, how does or, set up? Or will he stay prominent in that midfield? Uh, but one thing's and for then, sure is yeah. Hately can't get a gig. Not with the way that they're setting up right now. So it'd be interesting to see what happens this week. If Hately is named, they'll probably play him on the ball. And so maybe that pushes Zach Williams back behind the ball. But here's why I don't think it will happen. So the other change was Heater Shaw. So Heater Shaw played more of an intercept role this week than he has in the last few. Scored a 95, which is nice for me, considering so, our little bet. Yeah, so yeah, I know, right? So yeah, he's actually on track. So Williams moving forward uh, into the midfield then helped push Heater up and shift exactly that right. dynamic. And what actually, uh, his score again should have been higher, but I think he hit about six out of bounds in the full. Yeah. So, I, did you see? Did you see his team? They were saying, "I've played with a lot of great people." Yeah. Uh, anyway, <laughs> did you see all the comments of that? Someone's just like, "Oh, so yeah." He goes, "I don't think I'll get up to the forward line because it'll keep going out in the full." <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, Nerily Meadows said, uh, "Yeah, I think that was her comment." Yeah. Um, and yeah, that's exactly right. So he was banging it on the foot and kicking it out in the full quite a lot. So I'm not sure how many clangers he had. Maybe you could check that out. But 95 should have been a 120. So um, we'll see how much, how that impacts him going forward. So it could be a sneaky one in a, in a draft league if you're looking to um, to get a sneaky trade just before the finals. He's providing, really providing everything matches up. Uh, yeah. So Jeremy yeah. Uh, Howe again, another sneaky for draft if he actually does have a favourable draw. Uh, 356k. Let me just look up Heater for you. Uh, he's. Let me look up Heath Shaw. He's 340k, which is even cheaper. So if you are if you are strapped for cash, um, yeah, look, he he could actually go on a flurry. And um, GWS do play Port Sydney Hawks, Bulldogs, and Gold Coast. So it's not exactly like it's a hard finish for them. Nah. Uh, All right, moving on to your boys, the Lions. Indeed. Uh, First and foremost, mate, there's a bit of conjecture about that win, eh? Uh, not really, because um, they came out and said, yes, that free kick wasn't there. However, McCluggage, and that's one person I was going to say, you know what, uh, a top three draft pick that doesn't butcher the ball, Chris? It's uh, Hugh McCluggage. He does not butcher the ball. He weaved in and out of traffic like they were literally, like they were stop cones. It was just, there were markers there. He weaved in and out and went, yep, smacked straight through the goals. And then he followed that up with that free kick where he got in the back more than uh, Pornhub trailer. So it was... Um, <laughs> It was, it was actually a really frustrating game. Uh, North Melbourne played so well early on. Their structures were good. They were definitely switched on to play. And Brisbane, they, they were really reactionary. They weren't doing too well. They were kicking it so... It, it's a tale of two halves because that first half, we're under pressure, we're under the pump, and instead of actually trying to calm it down and use your wits, they were just bombing it out of that defensive line. They weren't even looking. They just bomb it. That sounds then, like something Zach Bailey would do. Sounds well. Sounds like <laughs> Zach Bailey. Yeah, right. Bailey gave away a free. And I was like, who's that? Is that Bailey? Uh, <laughs> but he actually provided some good options, Bailey, for once. He's so such a he, <laughs> He's actually, such I'm, a I'm starting to have faith. But uh, they just rushed it. They kicked it without even looking, and it was just turning over, coming back in, and it was frustrating to watch. To the point where I was like, how are we still in this game? And we couldn't kick straight to save our life. But the second half, particularly the third quarter, everything changed. We started to get some momentum. We started to put pressure on them. And then they started to boot it long back to our wall. So they started to be under the pump. And that's where it really changed. And that last quarter, North started well. And it was a bit of a a topsy-turvy sort of affair where you thought, hey, maybe the Lions are finally ahead. And then North would then, I think we got 12 points up. North then kicked a couple of goals. We were then behind. And... um, you know, look, at the end of the day, there was, the umpiring was pretty, uh, I'm not going to say 
bad, but it was definitely a lot of Brisbane got a lot of free kicks in the third, which were there, but the other ones were a lot of the key moments throughout the game went to North. And the biggest thing was that they really had a big influence and the umpires were trying to be seen, they were trying to be heard. At the end of the game, I think from people from both sides were just talking about how pitiful the umpiring was. And yes, that one wasn't there. I also thought the Ben Brown one wasn't there earlier. I didn't see much in that. And I'm glad the AFL actually came out saying they were both wrong, which for me kind of evens it up. Uh, helped shut the North fans up for a little bit. So um, that was great. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I think, look, it's just one of those games, and you know the umpiring was bad, that when Brisbane supporters stopped singing the club song to actually boo the umpires as they're walking off the field, and we won the game. Um, yeah, so, and last note is, the only thing I can't stand is Brisbane supporters perking up being super fucking cocky. Like, we have a right... You mean the, you mean the bandwagon supporters, the 20,000? Yeah, yeah, right? So now, now we're bit. starting to get 25,000 supporters, and it's against North Melbourne, of all people. I mean, it's not Hawthorne or someone that we usually get a crowd for. People are starting to get all jacked up on Mountain Dew and Perky, and then they start ripping on people. Like, yeah, you suck, free kick. Yeah, it's a free kick. Deal with it. And I was like, where have you been for the last 10 years? You haven't <laughs> felt... You have not felt my pain... You haven't felt the pain and suffering. You don't deserve That's to start. Life as a Brisbane supporter. You don't bro. deserve to start talking smack like you're a Richmond supporter. You know, like it's just, I just don't get it. Hey, like be humble That's in your wins, states, bro. That's be the... be humble. Be humble in your win and know that the hard times. Like this is how much of a supporter I am. I am. We are now basically, according to champion data, a hundred percent likely or 100% locked into finals now we've got 12 wins and even I'm still waiting like no no we still might fuck it up like don't get ahead of yourself <laughs> right don't get ahead of yourself because I know there's a chance that we go no, nil and five and, and drop out on percentage because I know what can happen like I've seen my boys the last decade like you know nothing's for certain so anyway um, as far as North Melbourne goes like Goldie for a big man you watch him like on TV he, he looks big anyway but watching him live he covers so much ground he, he works so around. hard and I'm looking at him and he's like he should be like a clumsy giraffe or like a heavy guy but he just moves he's right below his knee, knees as well uh, it's crazy yeah, yeah. actually um, he's great above his knees too yeah, well, <laughs> his kicking is um, great though like when you watch him between his knees and his hips is really great <laughs> his disposal for a ruckman though is just like uh, it's it's another level and his his kicking anyway so I was just really impressed with how, how well he covered ground and his kicking as usual is just yeah phenomenal so well, you, the, you're uh, the interesting thing, I'm happy because um, obviously I traded, I did the Max Gorn trade to uh, Goldstein, which uh, netted me negative six points this week. So it's the first time that uh, of the from the time I traded three weeks ago that I lost, I lost ground. Um, but the interesting thing is at this point in time, uh, if you were to go Max Gorn um, to, or oh, sorry, trade Goldstein back to Max Gorn, would actually gain six thousand. Um, and you've gained at least 155 points. Uh, no, I think it's 170 points or so. So are you, are you um, going back or are you holding steady now? I can't afford to. If I had the trades, I would. If I had any more of the trades than I have right now, I would 100% trade Goldstein back to Max Gorn. You've said 100% that would be worth twice more than me today, Chris. Oh, sorry. Well, because not only... So it's, it was 170K. Yeah. So you, you gained 170K, which is essentially a downgrade option. Um, so there's there's your trade right there. Plus you've gained 155 points. Uh, how do you lose? How can you lose that? So it has been. A, if you can afford that other trade, it's definitely worth it. It definitely has been worth it. Unfortunately, what it means for me is I've got to try and ride the gauntlet in every t- single league match that I'm going up into now, 
it's basically Goldie versus Gorn every single week. Um, so I'm not exactly exactly enjoying that for league purposes. But look, he's on a heater. Um, he's had a three round average of what's his three round here? Uh, That's definitely been good. One thirty four and a five round of one twenty six. So he's in really really good form at the moment. He's got some good fixtures coming up. Um, so I'm not terribly uh, upset, but I can see an 85 around the corner, you know what I mean? So, yeah, um, yeah, hating for that ball drop. The other one that's obviously killing me is Jack Zebel, uh, who for the last two weeks has just been very, very poor. Um, 65 this week really impacted me again against uh, Roel Marshall, who got a 142, um, or even Dunkley, who went, I think, one <laughs> something. So yeah. The two that I don't have. Which the ever-reliable Dunkley. Um, also, for a side note, uh, Lyons uh, is just absolutely killing it. So just going through his scores now. Yeah. Uh, Jared Lyons, free for the Lions. Um, he's in 1% of sides, actually. He's in 1,500 teams. He's got a 165. He was everywhere. And what's even worse is one of our mates, uh, Stuart, was versing Chris uh, versus Chris. And uh, so his average for the year is 94.1. He started off horrible, but three-round average of 118, five-round average of 119. He did have a low score against the Giants, which I'm attributing to the fact that he was actually, that's when Cornelio and um, and our boy, um, can't even think of his name right now, Chris. Um, Kelly? Kelly, yeah. So was ta- I think he actually played probably a little bit more accountable, if I'm not mistaken, but if you have a look back, round 10, 109, 127, 74 against Carlton. So maybe he was running with a Crips. 112, 130, 50, 139, and 165. He's actually been quite consistent. And his ceiling is just showing that he, his contested ball is just absolutely ridiculous. Absolutely okay. ridiculous. And he's 529K. If you want to run the gauntlet and have a real big point of difference for your leagues, I don't mind it because they have a really favorable draw except for their last two rounds. So if you need to come from if you're positioned between five and eight and you really need a left field i mean they're playing the gold coast soon they have a really favorable draw again they got hawks they have the bulldogs they have gold coast perfect for the final series you could get yourself into that final or semi-final and knock out one of these guys because of a jared Lyons. true that's enough said so um just quickly before we move on from the Lions, how much of a disappointment has Alex Witherden been this year? Uh, blame uh, Daniel Rich and the rise of Rich. The rise of Rich, which I agree. Um, I actually re-listened to our Top 10 podcast. All oh, right. And I was on a plane um, late last week on Friday afternoon. I had a few skewies and jumped on a plane, listened to our podcast. and uh, Where did I put Dunkley, uh, Chris? It had to be number two. I think I went really uh, in the I don't think I no. I, I didn't get. To, it was a two and a half hour podcast. I didn't get to the forwards, so I only got went through rucks, mids, oh, so, so, and it was, so it was one of one of our shorter ones. Then is that what you're saying? Yeah, exactly right. <laughs> um, but yeah, so you know, I tipped with it to go ten. You tipped him to go seven. Yeah, we, uh, we both got that one very wrong. <laughs> uh, but if you look at how we were right with the kicking out rule, if Witherden did have a kick out friendly role, he would have actually been a lot better this year. But the problem is. Rich has really risen, and to the point where he has had such a good year, A, he's a great super coach option, B, he's been great for the side, but any time that it's open, Rich is the one that they're giving it to because he's making good disposals, he's got such a big boot, and he's really assessing it well. Do I go short? Do I then switch it 50 metres across the field, or do I go inside 50? And any time that they're getting it, it's rich, and at the it's moment... a better decision-maker. Yeah, and Witherden's just playing a role. So Witherden this year for Supercoach has been horrible, um, and that's the risk you take with role changes. But um, 
Yep. Uh, it doesn't mean I'll rule him out for future years, but probably once Rich has now fallen off a cliff. <laughs> so Fair enough. Yeah. Now, moving on to Sydney versus Frio, I did manage to catch the last quarter of this game, and it was a heart stopper. It was absolutely toing and froing the entire time, but I tell you what, I was bloody pissed. Fremantle Sydney? Fremantle Sydney. Um, yep. Two things, right? Games on the line. Who do you want? Who would you rather have a kick goal, Luke Parker or Isaac Heaney? Uh, ooh. They're both good, though. Heaney? Parker's I, so good, though. Like, I don't know. Parker's, don't get me wrong, Parker's a good player. But do you think he's a better kick at goal than uh, no, Isaac Heaney? Well, you go Heaney because he's a natural forward. So, Park, uh, Heaney is free in the pocket. And the little chip, like 20-meter chip into the pocket, free. This is the, the kick to win the game. Parker comes over, comes over in front of him and intercepts the ball and takes the mark instead of just leaving it to an open Heaney. So Parker literally cut off Heaney one meter in front of him to get the mark and a shot deep in the pocket to win the game. He misses the goal, obviously, and they they lose the game. No, no, no. You know you know why they lost the game, Chris? They could have oh, got they could have easily got a draw. Easily. There's three versus one, five meters out from the goal. Rush it through. They're all falling yeah. over each other, and they the ball comes to, out. They didn't. They didn't want to draw. You see, what? they wanted to win the game. They wanted to kick the goal. But having said that as well, there was a massive, massive, massive umpire blunder, and the whole game was pretty bad. Middle of the ground, um, I can't remember which Frio player grabs the ball, but he picks the ball up. He looks, fakes a handball, ducks, gets tackled and gets wrapped up, and no holding the ball is called. I was absolutely ropeable. Middle of the ground. Is that, is that but, better or worse, Chris, than the Max Gorn just trying to pick up the ball while he's already on his back? Uh, no, nah, it was. It, I thought it was the most obvious holding the ball decision that I've seen in years. But it was. A, it was that. You know what it was? It was the. It was that exact same as the block on uh, on Braden Maynard last year. Like it's an obvious block in a normal game of football. Like where it's not that decision doesn't cost a game. They're just going to let it go. They're just going to let the game fly. And that's exactly what happened. They that it could have cost the game. It could have gone swung the pendulum the other way. Therefore, they just don't call it. They're just too. The umpires are too scared to make the right call in big moments. Yeah, especially after they need to, they need to back themselves in. Surely, it's like any other job. It's a high pressure situation. You see it, you call it. You don't sit there I, and I with agree. your dick in your hand and then get called out on it. They just try and do it. that. They, they try and do that um, in the. And this is the whole thing. The North Brisbane game is a prime example of them doing it and then making it, but the other way. So, what's the worst backlash? You know. So it, I think subconsciously. The umpires yeah. are probably thinking, well, if I make the call and then I get proved wrong, it's going to be everywhere. If I just don't make the call, it's not going to be as bad. Yeah, I think you're correct because then they could say, well, I, I saw this and I thought, nah, like there's no prize. Like, okay, you know what? Maybe not. But yeah, I think uh, I do think you're right there because they're going to get crucified with the wrong decision. But if they don't yeah. call it, they're going to like, exactly. well, they can then find evidence as to why they didn't call it. And it's probably a bit easier to prove. Maybe I, maybe I didn't think they had enough opportunity. Uh, interesting um, though, Ryan though went absolutely big. He went one seventeen, uh, big by yeah. by his standards. I mean, his As last five Joel weeks. Uh, so no, the Ryan. Big one there, Ryan. The, the big one there for me was Andrew Brayshaw, who uh, got a role that he could actually play without Fife in the team. Uh, and I really do honestly believe that if they're going to pursue with Andrew Brayshaw, pick number two uh, a couple of years back, I think next year could be a really big breakout for him. I'm tipping um, that he will have a massive. Um, role change in the preseason. If he does, if, you, if I notice that um, uh, he has uh, some some really nice scores in the JLT, 
might be a smoky to jump into my standard team. But, again, look on, the, on the lookout in your keeper leagues. I already picked him up this week. But uh, on your lookout for Andrew Brayshaw, who I think can have a massive, massive year next year and really break out and show the world what he has because he played absolutely spectacular um, yeah. against Sydney this week just gone. So. I like your optimism, Chris, but I'm more Bray uncertain. <laughs> Fair enough, fair enough. I, I, I just really like him. Uh, interesting to see if uh, Rory Lobb will come up this week after being slightly injured um, in well, their game. Big, and, uh, there's a quite a few that are definitely uncertain. It's kind of like last week where people are asking questions on who should I do if, if Hearn's out. And I'm like, well, maybe you should wait for the team announcement and then we can decide where you sit. Um, but, yeah, I think for, for me it was Ryan and Lloyd, defender on defender, just racking up hill. Uh, both did well. 117, 121. Um, Lloyd went big early. I think he had over 40 disposals in that match, and um, he was going really big early. And then, you know, like Lloyd does, where sometimes he gets the ball and just kicks it, and it's a direct clanger. Yeah, pretty much. With them, yeah, 40, his, 42 yeah, disposals so, and yeah. only 121. So it's definitely not his biggest day out. But, um, yeah. yeah, it was interesting. And, um, yeah, so, I mean, JPK got an 87. Uh, Rampy, again, the bane of my existence, a 98. So he has been really <laughs> consistent, which is... You know, good for him. Good for Rampy. He's bound to have one good year out of five, right? Another couple to keep an eye on in your keepers. Uh, again, I, I keep harping on it, but Georgie Hewitt, again, I think played well, but didn't really reflect in his scoring with only an 86. But uh, Robottom, I don't mind him for a nice little keeper, Smokey. He's played really good. If he gets the right role and if they start transitioning the older team out of the uh, midfield, I'm talking JPK, I'm talking Luke Parker, if they start getting less midfield time and start pushing the likes of Rowbottom, Hewitt, and uh, to a lesser extent, Ollie Florent into that midfield mix. I think that Rowbottom could be one to really benefit next year. It might be a little bit too early for Rowbottom. We'll see how we go. Sounds good. Anyway, on to... Um, Sorry, Chris, I just thought I'd mute you there. Stacey told me I have the power to mute you, <laughs> so I just muted your voice for a millisecond. Thanks, Stacey. What a great suggestion. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. I really hate you, Stacey, so bye. Day. Um, we still got three games to get through. Yeah, so Geelong, Geelong and Hawthorne. Um, it was a bit more one-sided than the scoreline led on. I thought Hawthorne pretty much controlled the game. Yeah, um, Clarko, just genius. Again, For, he's, he's providing the blueprint to defeat a lot of sides, and I think a lot of coaches are like, especially if they're about to vert, like you know, go up against an opponent a couple of weeks after Hawthorne, they'll probably just go, you know what, let's just wait and see what Hawthorne does. We can see what yeah. works and see what we can adapt. And let's just work after Clarko. Best solution you've got. True that. Um, I was a little bit disappointed with Sicily's scoring. Um, I, I hoped that with, uh, unfortunately, Impy going down really early, that he would have had a spike. And it'll be interesting to see something that um, Fantasy Frico tweeted out this week um, was that Sicily had been playing mainly key position defender in the last four weeks. Uh, so with Impy gone, his Impy has been the one that has been really that sort of either loose defender or the one that peels off. I do believe that Sicily will now go back to his usual role of that, uh, you know, third marking tall intercept defender um, and rebounding halfback. So we'll be interesting to see what happens this week. And um, I wouldn't write off um, Sicily just yet. Um, I actually think Sicily is going to go big this week, like I did. Like I thought when they played Brisbane last time, I think he went to one away or at least he went fairly solid. But just again, the forward line matchups, like, yeah, we have a couple guys that can mark. I mean, Hipwood doesn't generally get too many. Like, he gets quite a few overhead, but he really leads up and works hard. Uh, McStay gets up really high, but I think Sicily, I'd back him in a one-on-one contest over Dan Mc, you know, McStay. Um, 
you know, so it's kind of one of those things where I think his matchup against Brisbane is actually really suited to Supercoach. He, you know, Brisbane, they play that fast game, so it depends on how it comes. If, if Hawthorne can slow up Brisbane and that ball comes in bombing to a contest, it's going to really sit into his hands. If Brisbane can actually break free and play that loose sort of football, it's going to be really hard to actually, because once it... They, yeah, Brisbane's once, winning this week. Yeah, uh, once they hit space... Hawthorne, uh, Brisbane are Hawthorne's bogey team, so yeah, uh, it'll I think be the way a, they, lock, lock in a Brisbane win this week, man. Well, I think the way that well, if Brisbane play the style they can play, I think they're just it, their style of play doesn't suit well with uh, Hawthorne. So yeah. uh, interesting though. So we'll go through uh, with the rest of them. So uh, McAvoy, here, uh, Warple, Warple's probably you know one of his rare hundreds. He doesn't have a he just doesn't have a high ceiling, but he also doesn't nah. have a. A really super low floor. So he's not killing you, but he's not winning you that many games. He's kind of just contributing you. Yeah, and look, if you started with him, you, you can't really be too upset. So no, he's not burning um, your trades. He's not like bringing in and getting rid of Kelly. So what if we say the study eighty-seven would be what we think, and anything over that would be a bonus? He's averaging ninety. Yeah, I mean, he's over. He that. has been a terrible pick. You know, he's he's edging on the top ten. He's not a top ten forward now, but um, I wouldn't mind him as say an F seven yeah. or M M nine. So. Um, another keeper league, Smokey, that I'd be looking at because I've, I've had a, I've spent a lot of time this week looking at that. Uh, Charlie Constable, I think, could have a really big impact next year. Um, he already proved this year that he's the sort of guy that he can get you 26 to 35 possessions, most of them contested, and score really well when he does. So um, keep an eye out of, of, on him in, in your keeper leagues. And um, and get well, on. He'd be him, pretty right? cheap right now too because uh, he's not in always playing. So, exactly right. Yeah, we'll he's definitely going to get through for sure. Yeah. Uh, Duncan um, again flying under the radar. Uh, we did say with his soft draw and the fact that they like to get it in his hands, he's playing generally a little bit more pushing back and then helping out that defence line a little bit. So he's not quite as much in the the pure mids. He does run through there for sure, one hundred percent. But it's um, one twenty three this week. He did well again last week. He was dirt cheap and he still is very cheap they run home though Duncan even though he's not playing that pure traditional midfielder he's very adaptable his disposal efficiency is just awesome and if you are actually giving him more time because he's not in straight in that guts and it's all like contested and rushed he's just absolutely tearing it and it's no surprise that he is scoring really well so against the weaker sides he could just blow them apart with his disposal Absolutely, um, I do think I still think he's a decent option if you're looking at that. He's only just over 500k. Yeah, 502 from memory. Let me have a look. Duncan, uh, 500 flat to 500,000 and 200 dollars. So super cheap. So my option would be to bring him in this week. He's only 300,000. Uh, uh, he's only a three percent uh, sides, Chris. Yeah, which is crazy. I mean, but having said that, I do think that merit is slightly better for an option if you don't have merit. Um, but I, I was looking at uh, at Duncan this week. The only issue is I just don't have enough trades because it would clear me out of trades. I'd have zero trades for the end of the year and I'd be relying on Bewley yeah. and Burgess and J- uh, Jared Cameron as my backups and it's not great. Yeah, you leave yourself um, open in other lines, uh, which is not what you want. So uh, Hawkins, Hawkins came, came out with a 92, 92, so the big hawk. And this, this is, is probably one of the... the Bigger things. things. He, he actually started, started playing himself into a little bit of form. He got two goals, two, 17 disposals. He had had one of the worst performing, what, five-week blocks, if you look at it, but he is so cheap. The cheapest I've ever seen someone in a while for someone who did average 100 last year. He's dropped 201,000K. He is 351,000. I might actually bring him in this week, Chris, save myself a trade and have three left with a full side. 
to make some other adjustments. Uh, it's just stupid. His break-even is now 66, which means that essentially you kind of have to bring him in now if he does have a good game. Um, it depends on how you see things because I think for around about the same price, you could probably get a uh, uh, Jeremy Cameron. Um, so, no, Jeremy Cameron's like, like 390 on. He's about 40,000 40, more, close. especially, especially after, after he had a good round. round. Let me, Let me just, just look, look at Cameron. Cameron. Uh, no, he's 413 now, so he was 390, and now he's jumped up to 413. But are you looking at getting him on field, or are you looking at getting him as a, say, F7? Uh, no, he'd be on field, but as in trying to... I don't love it. No, I know that, I know that. and I'll probably go Duncan or Merritt or something rather instead, but um, look, I'm honestly thinking about it because this little glimmer of, of form could be what... Uh, he needs to actually get himself into a good run. So it's more about trying to get someone that can get me around that 90 to 100 points while still giving three trades and possibly allowing me to make some moves in the final like few weeks or something. But look, we'll just see. It, it's, a, it's a cross between me being paranoid of running out of trades like I did last year, getting someone to actually do a role. And um, yeah, like his past one, two, three, four rounds have been horrible. Before yeah. that, though, 98, 91, 22, 86, 100, 104, 119, 73, 111. Like, it, it's, you know, I get it, it is what it is, but for those who are definitely low on options, uh, he's only, he's less than 30,000 more than um, Setterfield. That's how stupid it is. It's less than 30,000. Less than 30,000, or even you throw 50,000 on top, or 53,000 or whatever on top of our clock. And then you push Dunkley or you push Heaney as your swing and then you play Hawkins there. You can loophole and swing Hawkins and Heaney. Heaney now becomes your Clark midfield forward swing for, what, 50, 53,000 or something. Like, it's just, it's, it's not a bad option and he's so cheap that when they come up against some easier sides and he's now got a bit of confidence, they're coming into the back end of the year. Sydney, Fremantle, North Brisbane, Carlton. He could average you 90 to 100 quite comfortably for the last five rounds. Nice. I, I don't, I don't it's a risk. It's a risk, 100%. It's a risk. But for 350K, I would bank him over Setterfield in a heartbeat. In a heartbeat for 30K. It's it's worth a trade. That's it. Well, yeah. Well, yeah. well either way, I have to make a trade. So it's whether I want to burn two trades to get a Duncan. Or whether I want to burn one trade and get a Hawkins. That's pretty much what it would, comes down to. I would rather go too, but it's only it's purely matchup based. You know, I'd be just more comfortable going into a heads up league matchup with yeah, Duncan with versus Duncan, Duncan who can go, go one forty or something. Or something. Or something. I, I got, got you anyway, anyway, so it doesn't matter. But yeah, uh, that's that's just how I I would look at it. Now, Fair moving cool. on to the yes. um, to the last uh, second last game. Uh, so it was uh, West Coast versus um, Melbourne, and uh, would it would it please you to know, sir? That the number four points leader for the midfield for the entire year is Clayton Oliver. Wow. Yep. Number four. Because yep. he's, well, he's, he's played every game. game. Having said that, yeah, 100%. Having said that, that, that does exclude Josh Dunkley, who's actually number three. So but he's the number one forward. Right. So pure midfielder, Clayton Dunkley. Oliver. Clayton Oliver is number four in overall points for the year. Dunkley. Uh, yeah, I don't have to. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it's one Lockie Neal, two Jack McRae, and there's only uh, 15 wow. points, no, oh, like 18 points separating the two of them. Uh, number three is actually Marcus Bontempelli, and number four is Clayton Oliver. Wow. Um, well, he, he, he has, has, he has, he has got, got a big ceiling, ceiling and he, he hasn't, hasn't had too many 
like, like super poor, poor games. So, so I think it's kind of really blended out pretty well. And he's played every game. So you look at a lot of yeah, like your Kellys and stuff who we brought in after he was injured early on. Fife's missed a couple of games and they're pretty much the main ones. Like Cornelio's now missed. So it's just been a bit of a mess. Um, hold on. So Nat Fife has pushed out to the 10th best mid. That's okay. I'm okay with that. So not, not too bad. Having said that... Where's um, Matt Crouch then, Chris? Seeing that we're oh, comparing... Man. So far down, because how many games he missed? Oh Crouch? yeah, that too. Actually, so yeah, I, I, I didn't have Matt Crouch over five. I couldn't have. That was sixty k difference. No, I had Oliver over five, and I chose Lockie Neal as well. But that was I didn't consider those two as the yeah. um. Well, anyway, as, as mentioned, yeah. anyway, uh, another also one. Also, the eighth overall scorer in terms of if you include forwards and rucks, because of course you got to include Max Gorn and Brody Grundy in there too. Um, um, so it hasn't been a terrible pick at all. So let's let's, let's touch, touch base on Salem, Salem because Salem for Melbourne, and I don't know, know what's, what's happening with my stat screen here. Season stats, here we go. So he's in 5% of sides, so quite a few people have faith. He's now averaging 98. He's always had a big ceiling the last couple of years, but the problem is he would go missing after he'd have a big game. So he's one of those yo-yo type of players this year he starts to be piecing it a bit together more because he's averaging 98 for the year. He's played 15 rounds. And when you look at it, he's got a 106 average over his last three, a 111 over his last five. But this big ceiling though, Chris, and this is where we're going to get into. So from round 14, after their buy, 104, 133, 87, 94, and a 139. So this, this year though, when you look at it, round one, he went 139. Round 8, he went 122. Round 15, he went 133. And round 18, he went 139. So he does have a very satisfying ceiling. He's also another one, though. If you're looking at draft matchups and say you're playing against some mates and they have fairly typical people, possibly injury prone people, you could throw in a Salem again if you're ranked from 5 to 9, like 5 to 8, and you need something that's going to possibly win you that matchup for that round to spike you through and actually take your championship. I think I he think can't go, go too wrong, wrong with him either. He, they're playing Saints, Richmond, Collingwood, Sydney, and North. Again, Saints forward line, you know, could score against. Collingwood's forward line, you can score against. So, yeah, well, you know, the ball leaks out. So, Sydney's the same, and North Melbourne's the same. So, Richmond's probably the only one there, but they play such a hard, fast attacking brand of footy that Southern could still get a lot of the ball. It, it's very interesting. He is now priced uh, at 507K, so he's definitely getting up there. Again, for me, though, Whitfield has to be hands down number one if you don't have a player just because he's so damaging. But There's one person I'd probably put over Salem, though. Rampy. <laughs> you know what the worst part is? I actually paused trying to think. You're like, oh, who is who was I that? I was, like, I was like, who's that? I was like, oh, what am I mentioning? I can't believe I just fell for that. Um, Brayshaw tagging, as we said earlier, Elliot Yo. Running with him all day. Elliot Yo literally saved by the fact that he had, um, how many tackles was it? It was like nine tackles. Just, Lucky's just a tackling beast. Uh, he still gave away a couple of free kicks from being so aggressive. But look, he, he did do really well. I think he had four frees for two against, so it worked out pretty well. Uh, again, I'm just lucky that Yo went like 50 points in the last quarter and changed the game because if Melbourne ran away with that, Yo was definitely scoring horrible. Oh, yeah. Just horrible. Um, and and darling, sometimes, just so, he can't, so sometimes he doesn't strong. pull it back, but he's definitely the sort of player that 
can, out of nowhere, pull out a really good score. And Darling is definitely looking daring. He... Yeah. yeah. Well, he was dominating. Their back line, which is in shambles anyway, well, was always going to get dominated by them. Okay, when you bring up Darling, remember how cheap Darling was? He was like $200,000 cheaper. What did he get down to, like 260 it was stupidly cheap, and even then I said it could be just a good cash cash cow option because he his biggest his biggest low point was at three twenty two k three hundred okay three twenty two k. He was that was that was against Gold Coast in round seven. He posted one thirty two, and since then he's averaged ninety four. Okay, that being said, though, he's still got a, a sixty one forty two in there. But you, you are, are correct, 104, 135, 61, 42, 133, 173, 175, 175, and 125. So, again, someone that probably, I guess, Hawkins like, except Hawkins probably, I can't even say Hawkins doesn't bottom out that much because he had a 25 game, so there goes all credibility. I don't know if, don't know if you remember me saying this, but I 100% said at the bottom of this, I, I, I think he can average what he did last year, which was 86 points per game. He's at, currently averaging 80.8, and he's trending upwards. Um, and he I said at the time... Fun. In order for him to do it, he would need to average 96 for the end to the rest of the year. I reckon he can. That's literally what I said. He's now averaging 94.5 from in that time. So interesting. It hasn't been terrible, hasn't? And that's a, you know I'm I like to consider myself a little bit of a Nostradamus, but uh, <laughs> some, people some people call me the yeah, yeah the songbird about the generation. generation. <laughs> um, yeah, so, so I, I did watch the end of this game, game and Melbourne could, could not, not kick straight, straight to, to save their, their life. life. I mean, what did they, they kick in the end? end? 11-12, uh, okay, so they start off though, 1-5. The first quarter, which is when the game is really on the line, they kicked one goal five. They could not read it. And listen, well, listening to BT, just, he's like, how do you not know to kick it at the left goal post? You've just watched your teammate kick it and it's gone pushed right. You've then had another shot and they go, have you learned? No, they kick it the same spot and it pushes right. The teammate goes, okay, comes in. Guess what? The ball goes right. They're not, they weren't adjusting. BT was, was getting, getting so furious. furious. Yeah, the, it was hilarious. It was funny. It was it was hilarious as well. Um, so I was having a bit of a dig at you for captaining Max Gorn. I think he was on like twenty seven or something, and then out of nowhere got forty points in six minutes of game time. Uh, yeah, he, he, he got, got lucky because, because he got, got a mark, uh, contested mark, I think. Kicked, then he kicked shanked it, like, he kicked almost it behind, behind the ball. Kicked it behind, and then he also got another, I think, took it out of the right, got a contested possession and booted it. And it looked like the horrible kick, but actually went to inside 50, and someone came through with a sport to make it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, took yeah. contest. Um, oh, when, when I saw him, he was on, like, 30. And I was just, like, getting towards half-time. I was doing that to I was like, my life is literally... I was like, I just pissed away the top few hundred with Max Corn, which is pretty much how I was feeling. So he really pulled through, though. He got one... 132, so he did really well. Oliver was the highlight. I mean, Oliver just looked really tough at it. And well, playing... unfortunately, Oliver died because he had, he was on 133 at three quarter time. Yeah, yeah. but so again, he could have gone much, he's, much bigger. He's, yeah, yeah, and it kind, kind of comes coincides with the fact that Melbourne just fell away. But he he played really hard, tough footy, and he looked by far like for three of those quarters, I thought he was best on ground. For me, he just. Yeah, it's, it's one of those Oliver games, games where you're like, like he, he switched on and you're watching him and you're like, this guy's just a jet. And sometimes you forget that, but he, he looked really on. His pressure was there. He was running hard. And I, I was just super impressed. He, he got lucky a couple of times because some of his inside 50s were just spray balls, like just yeah. bang up the boot. And the person on the other end got a contested grab, which gave him a goal assist. You know, like... Lucky there. Exactly right. Yeah, a couple of lucky ones where it could have easily have been a turnover ball or a clanger kick that turned into a goal assist. That's a 10-point swing. 
So, um, yeah, he got he got a bit lucky with some of his disposals. But, yeah, he played very, very well. And, look, I'll be honest, he hasn't played that terribly all year. It's just when he, he does do those hat kicks, and a lot of those inside midfielders do, because of the structure of the Melbourne forward line, they haven't been getting to the contest of the fall of the ball, which no. means that he's, even though he's playing very similar to how, how he has the last couple of years, his scoring hasn't reflected that at times because there's been turnovers instead yeah. of going to a... I know, so, I know, if, I know, I know if, if you people have been, been turned off him for next year, year but for me, I think oh, if, no, they, right. if they sort out their forward line, I think, again, he's going to get more score assists because of it. Uh, and he's less... going to have a three-year average of like more than 12. <clears throat> yeah, and not only that, it's going to be his... Uh, he's going to get more score assists and less balls intercepted coming inside 50. So I think it's a no-brainer for me. It's such a no-brainer. He's, he's, he's literally had a... He's, in my opinion, <coughs> very similar to uh, to Lockie Neal of last year, where he had a three-year average of 110, and everyone's just like, yeah, just lock it in because you know you're going to get a 110. Clayton Oliver's the exact same, except he's younger with more upside. Like, I, like, I can't... I don't can't fathom a world where I don't start with Clayton Oliver next year. He's still going to be around the same price, around 600K, and you're going to bank a 110 for the season. You're going to say, see you later at the end of it. I, I don't get a world where you wouldn't pick him. No, I'm, so, I'm with you there. Uh, let's eight. move on to the last game, Chris, week, and then touch on questions. It's getting on to an hour and 20. Thank you for those joining us. I have quickly checked across to the chat, so we will get to those in a second. Um, yeah, so like Jay Havey, uh, Bushley, Stonesy, um, thanks, boys. I'll get back to you in a second. And uh, Bomber as well, mate. So we'll get to you boys soon. Uh, let's go to the last game, though, Chris. So when we get across to Saints and the Bulldogs, it's the, the same curse of the new coach. Uh, yeah, pretty much. Um, we picked this earlier in the week, but you know what? I still I forgot with my tipping when I was looking um, at it to change from Bulldogs to Saints. So I actually tipped the Bulldogs this week, which is a, just a dumb idea when I knew that the curse exists. Um, Rowan Marshall again, really good. Started off really poorly, and people were going were saying to me and you, "Oh, it looks like he's going to have a really dud game." And then before you know it, he hits 30, 40 points in five minutes of footy, and then all of a sudden it's game on. Pulls a max, up. pulls a max score, so, basically. Absolutely, he did. Uh, so and he, and then he was on for the rest of the game. Um, also, of course, Jack Billings <coughs> continued hot runner form with a 113. I think he was really fantastic. Jack Loney was probably best on ground for me. Um, set him up early, and He's when he's when he's playing really well, he's he's outstanding. But Jack Loney, of course, in his traditionally um, that he doesn't necessarily hit that form often enough, and he's not consistent enough with his form, and that's it knocking his game. Um, a nice little ninety-nine for Blake Acres in another return to a good role for Blake. So another one I would look out for in uh, drafting keeper leagues on the waivers. Um, I think Blake Ake, you got him? Keeper League, yeah. Be- I got him for free off the Keeper League. Um, Stones, he dropped him nice and early like a rookie. Um, yeah, Hunter and Clark also, as well, thanks. Uh, I was about to say Hunter Clark, uh, who also got in Keeper League, Chris, so you're welcome. Uh, he, he's actually... I was just a, looking for him today. I'm like, maybe he's in the wire. I can get sneaky nah, little I, I waiver. Actually, waiver. I actually got him last week because I started to notice uh, a little bit of a role change with Clark. So he's, he's actually yeah, coming off the back of the square a little bit. He's... Getting quite a bit of the ball. He actually has quite a good disposal, and he was a fairly high draft pick. So it's these kind of guys. In If you're in these leagues, sometimes the guys in the first couple of years, yeah, they're a high pick, and they might not perform, so you need to keep them. Um, <coughs> pardon me. So, but high pick now starting to get a little bit more mature, having a bit more exposure to the systems and everything like that, starting to deliver. It's two things. First of all, his body's definitely filled out in the last probably Ooh, six months. Say. Someone's been Googling. But... but ha- the role change, of course, helps him because yeah. these, these guys that are picked in the top 
10 spots. They've been playing on the ball their entire career. They jump into the AFL and they're playing halfback. They're yeah. playing for, the forward line. And it's a yeah. common it's a common theme though. Even um, yeah, even um, like in the in the lines there. So you have quite a few players that they just can't play different positions. And Keys is still in the seconds because he cannot adapt to another position. He is a midfielder. He can't yeah. play forward very well. Uh, he had a great game on the weekend though. But you know these guys they need to adapt and they need time. So Chris, oh, that's good. I hundred percent agree with you. Um, the two so two of the top. Um, Four midfielders again in in Bont and McRae just keep uh, sorry I lie uh, in McRae and Dunkley keep doing their thing. Bond had a little bit of a lighter game. He played up forward at patches, but of course I think that ankle was definitely hampering him. I'm surprised they even played him. I'm very very surprised they even played him. They thought that they so, needed to win though. I think that was the issue. And um, once the game was cooked, yeah, definitely once that game their was final cooked, chance to done it. They, yeah. they will not make them. Yeah, yeah, and once once, think, a, once the game was cooked, it's kind of like you know, well, there's no point smashing his ankle through the guts now. So I think it was kind of they needed to win and they'll see how the game went, panned out. And then when Saints showed up and actually showed up to play, then I think it kind of cemented his spot in the forward line. I do agree. And the other, well, the other consideration <coughs> how many at the end of the year is how does that impact his role and whether or not they even play him. Now, if he's got a sore ankle and they're out of finals, are they going to rest him at some point? Yep. Um, I do believe that is. So yeah. I don't think you can trade him in now, even if you've got the cash can't see him as being a trade-in target. You know what I like don't... about you, Chris, is you trying to find reasons to hate on people that you don't have. No, I honestly believe I, would, I wouldn't trade him in now. That's, no, no, that's, that's, that's um, Yeah, no, so I'm with you there. So, um, yeah, I think that's pretty much the gist of it for that. So it'll be interesting, though, how that mix up. I think Libertori coming back in does help with uh, Bontepelli if he does decide to, you know, maybe Liber can play a bit more of that inside mid couple of weeks' time, you have even those like McLean who can actually take a bit of that brunt in that midfield and try and lessen the burden. Uh, they have a plethora of people that can play through there. I mean, even Lipinski can then get back into that midfield like he did uh, about a month ago when he was actually getting a lot of ball. They don't need Bontempelli to be smashing his guts in that midfield. Even though he's an amazing user and he is brilliant to watch and he kills it, you have Dunkley in there, you have McCrane there. They can easily get a few other guys that can hold their role and just sit Bontepelli forward or, again, as you said, rest and just keep his body fresh for later because he has been beaten up uh, for the last couple of years now. He's been a little bit beaten up through his groins and whatnot. Absolutely. Now, someone else to keep an eye on um, that is going to be dropping below 500K, um, again, is Caleb Daniel. So um, he had a 68 and he now has a break-even of 150 after, of course, being injured and out for a few weeks. So I would watch him this week and see what his scops, uh, drops down to, but I can see him going down to just below 500K. So as that last upgrade before the final starts, he might be one to have a look at if you are looking for someone that um, you need in your forward line yep. uh, to round everything in. So, um, yeah, just one to keep an eye on. Fair call. Um, okay, so I'm going to run through a couple of questions now quickly so we won't go too much over time here, guys. I uh, appreciate you there, so hopefully everything's worked out nicely. Uh, okay, so for, so we're just going to go through some questions now, guys. So if you if this is it for you, thank you very much for joining us, and we will catch up with you shortly and send probably some tweets out with the team announcements. Uh, don't think I'll be doing any team announcements pods this week because I have plans tomorrow night, and I also have football Friday night plans. footy. Okay, with your, uh, with your hey, social life and shit. That yeah, about. mate, I've been busy. Uh, okay, so <laughs> uh, okay, so here's a good one. So um, El Corala. Sorry if I'm saying that incorrectly. Uh, off the top of question, um, Jay, who, I think. Hey, yeah. Jay? Who do you reckon? Who do you reckon will be in the granny this year? So, I've uh, managed to pay an exorbitant amount of money for a ticket package. 
uh, and are mildly aroused. So, well, I can tell you what, if Collingwood make it, Chris will pay you a pretty penny for those <laughs> tickets. Uh, I know from previous experience. I actually had Ash come to me literally this weekend just gone. And if you're watching Ash, I don't know if you are, but I love you. Um, That's she a said, bit Look, different, Chris. Normally it's on you. That's true. Um, she said, look, um, I don't know how they're going this year, but if they do make the granny again, I'm happy to, to, to take you down. I was like, what the? We do not have the money for that. We are literally paying like $5,000 for this stupid wedding in February. Yes. And I was like, so impressed. So, yeah, that's, that's what you need, guys. That's, that's, that's life goals. Get a girl who comes to you when they know that they're probably not even going to make the prelims. Says, <laughs> but if Fair they well. do... You're in. <laughs> so, um, oh, for me, I think it's Richmond and probably West Coast at this point. I think for me, that's I think they're the informed. Yeah, they're right the informed now. sides, and I think this time of year, form pays. Uh, yes, I'd love Brisbane to make it, but I think Brisbane aren't even like they're probably what fifth or something or other. I think Geelong and maybe maybe try winning a final first before <clears throat> you start. Well, pretty much, they, they could pull an Essendon and you know be out quicker than then oh, who knows what. But um, for me, I think uh, the top four are Richmond, West Coast, Collingwood, and. Uh, Geelong and Giants are a smoky if they get some players back. So there's really about five teams that I think are actually quite up in the mix. I think it will be Richmond and against West Coast because I think West Coast will get their top. Uh, they'll probably get a home final when it counts, and I think they'll probably make use of it. So Yeah, I think that the key difference between, um, say, Richmond and West Coast and everybody else in that sort of top echelon right now, maybe excluding Brisbane, is that they've got their players coming back at the right time of the year, whereas Collingwood and GWS and Geelong, they're having players that are losing at this time of the year that they're not going to necessarily get back until maybe just before the finals. So you're going to have, you know, out, yeah, Collingwood's mix and, and GWS's mix is going to change massively over the next six weeks to try and make sure that they get their best players for finals, whereas, you know, Richmond and West Coast, they're currently rolling through and getting their, all their best 22 players back and that's the, the big difference in terms of the, uh, the form of the teams right now. So I think if everyone had their best complement of players, it would be very, very different. But at this point, uh, yeah, I think you're absolutely bang on with that. West Coast and Richmond are definitely the informed teams. Okay, fair call. Um, okay, so Stonesy says, uh, how good's Mitch Lewis? Hawks finally have the answer for the forwards. I, don't, I think everyone's going to be excited on Mitch Lewis. He's had a couple of good games, but um, yeah, I wouldn't get carried away there. That's getting um, excited about it. Oh, forward. they're getting very excited by a guy who can actually take a mark in the forward line that isn't <laughs> um, sick dog. So, uh, Jay Davies says, um, so we have six trades left and just enough cash to do um, goal, uh, was it to Goldie to Gorn and Heaney to Marshall. Do I pull the trigger? Um, six trades left. So, I think oh, for me, yeah, yeah, six yeah, easy. you have four trades and you can go bang, bang. I think you do that. So, easy yep. call there. And um, sounds like I think you're... Mike was echoing for a little bit there. Sounds like a race call from the Flemington, Chris, apparently. So there you go. Uh, looks like you had a little bit of microphone issues. I saw you doing a bit of a fiddle, fiddle over there. And uh, lucky, was, it was, lucky it was all I, above the table, mate. Otherwise, I'd be a bit concerned if, um, if your, your, hands, do with my hands. your hands were doing these ones. But um, uh, yeah. The reason is um, uh, because we're connected via Skype, I actually just changed pages. And I don't have the most reliable Wi-Fi where I am. So it would have impacted the bandwidth at that exact moment in time. So I do apologize, uh, guys, because I'm browsing the internet while I'm doing this to have the information I need for the podcast. Um, something that I <coughs> something we need to talk about as well before we, we, we sign off is, of course, Bubble Boys and Captains, but we'll 
get to the rest of these questions before we go through. That's fine. Well, pretty much this covers it on anyway. With uh, So the last one is Whitfield. Uh, is he a must-have this week, which we've said many times that he is such a good price and he's one of the most important guys that you can have. I think he's under 520 now, so he's just cheap as. Get on him. Uh, Hill is the main one, the bubble boy for GWS. Uh, huge yep. and uh, absolutely. I think he's pretty much the only one worth looking he's, into. He is pretty much the only one. I hear that uh, West is, I think, debuting. I think it's West, the father-son, debuting for uh, Bulldogs this week, which is awesome for him. Yep. Uh, and the other the other one that may get a call-up is Paddy Nash. Um, already played his two games, so he's technically on the bubble this week. Um, he had a, a best on ground performance in the twos. So and if Andrews, they, Andrews out. Oh, although yeah. Walker's probably in. Walker has to be in for Andrews, and then um, Nash might get another gig for someone else. Well, that's Nash plays for Richmond, so that's. Oh, sorry, yeah. wrong one. Sorry, wrong Nash. I was thinking, of, thinking Hinge. About, I was thinking oh, of Hinge. Hinge. Sorry. Nah, uh, Hinge is Hinge is injured. He's out for like five or six weeks. Okay. I think so. Nash yeah, Hinge. They're both they're both weird names, Chris. Same um, same. Brad Foz says, uh, "Do I trade Logue to Whitfield, pushing Sick Dog or Ryan to my bench?" And leave himself two trades, uh, or just uh, and no cash, or just hold. So I think if you can get Logue to Whitfield, pushing Sick Dog or Ryan to your bench, and still have two trades left at this point, I think you just do that. That's yeah, my opinion. I, I I agree, but it also depends on. Uh, I did see uh, Brad posted that exact question on our Facebook, uh, which we would have got to eventually. But thank you very much for putting in there, Brad. Um, the the only thing issue is, of course, if Hearn doesn't come up. So if Hearn plays this week, which I think he probably will. Um, especially after today, he was seen running around the track uh, in full training today. So I do consider him to be playing this week. But if he's not named, then you may have an issue there. Um, so just see what see what you need to do to be able to get the best available team every single week. But um, with that amount of trades, I would pull that trigger for sure. Yeah, no, um, the, the other, other one that is... might obviously be out is Fife, and he's got Fife and not much cover on his mid-bench. No, so, he's, got, he's, uh, got, he's got some mid-bench. Um, he's got uh, Hill he brought in, and he's still got Hind, who played on the weekend. So it's yeah, his forward line. He's got, no, I know, but he's got Troll on the forward I line. I think so if he, if he on. doesn't... Yeah, I think that the whole reason he gets cashed is to go down to Hill. So he would probably still have Dylan Clark as cover for Fife. So if Fife's not named, I'd rather hold the trades and then play Dylan Clark over Ian Hill or Hind. So that's the consideration. So it does vary on the team announcements, all to do with Fife and what happens with um, with Chan and Han. Fair call. Uh, all right, I think that pretty much then wraps us up there for that part of it, Chris. Um, yeah, that's all the questions on that one. So, look, I think that's pretty much it. I think this has been a comprehensive game-by-game play. I know it's been a bit different. This one has been a little bit more uh, draft and keeper league uh, friendly, particularly then also looking at other people you can bring into your side, things that we've noticed, even more position changes. So I know it's been a bit long today, but... Going by the game by game, normally we just sort of talk about a few things we noticed. Today did go on a little bit longer, but I think giving you some insight from here onto the future, from here through to the finals rounds, because once you've made your last changes, that's it. And for those of you looking to make changes in the, the keeper leagues and the draft leagues, now is the time to make those changes for finals. And um, so that's why we went a little bit longer today. Uh, hopefully everything recorded fine and we can get this up on the line. On the line? On the line. Um, now, in terms of captains, um, I think it's a fairly yes. easy VC this week um, with Grundy playing uh, Richmond. Uh, yeah. I can't see Soldo or Nank if Nank comes back. No, in, I think I Nank, will be, Nank will be, I think, possibly in the mix. And uh, either way, first game back, though, I would still be taking Grundy. Nank, and I'm, Nank, I'm not, Nank's stats were terrible, so I don't know how he played. Falling, I'm not falling for the no VC Grundy trick. No, definitely VC Grundy. 
your backup, you've got heaps of options. I mean, you could go Neil against the Hawks, even though he might cop the Daniel Howe trade. I think the most obvious one's probably Cripps against Adelaide or Gorn against Marshall. Um, you've also got uh, a McRae against uh, Frio, a Fifeless Frio potentially. So um, worst case scenario, again, you've got Sydney against um, the Cats. So there's, there's a plethora of captain options out there, but I would say the... No one's oh, yeah. pretty much going to get past your if, VC. If Fife if doesn't get up, Dunkley and McRae could yeah. go absolutely monster, and that would probably be my better chance. Colton versus Adelaide. Yeah, like Colton, uh, Cripps has just come off a poor round. I wouldn't trust that, depending on how his ankle or how his body's holding up. Uh, this was a good VC option for, I think you did it one time, he had a bad week, and then you put a VC on, he went 190. 190, yeah. I, I don't think it's going to be this week, and I think you have to VC Grundy, so don't Captain Cripps would be my call. Um Neil against Hawks, I think they're going to probably put Howe with him. Howe was a late in, but I think they will actually put some attention into stopping well, Brisbane's midfield. could go to midfield. Lions. Lions is the informed mid at, at, um, at the Lions right now. Either way, I think they'll Lions. put some work into it. Maybe they'll put Warple to run through or something. like it's, yeah. I think they're going to definitely put some work into that Brisbane midfield structure. Just being Clark, I wouldn't touch it. Uh, I actually think Clayton Oliver could also be a good one against the Saints. Uh, Saints got a win last week. They're probably riding their coattails thinking they're all that, but I don't think it's going to happen. So for me, I think if you're going anyone at, at Melbourne, if unless you have, if you don't have Gorn, then maybe Oliver. But Gorn, Gorn against Marshall, I think uh, I would happily go with that matchup. In it's going to, I think yeah. it's going to have a week. So I think depending it depends on, if Fife's out, if Fife's out, still, changes. I also still think Gorn's still not 100% fit, but I mean, who is at this point in the season? So yeah, they're pretty much all just running on on fumes. Um, yeah, so that pretty much runs it for me. I think. Yeah, Essendon, you could go Zach Merritt against Gold Coast and just hope he doesn't get tagged because he could go 150 also. Yep. Excellent. Sounds so good. That pretty much wraps us up. Uh, thank you very much for joining us for the special guest named Chris and the <laughs> top 500 player named Ben. So thank you for sticking with us. Excellent. Thank you very much, guys. Thanks for joining us, Chris. And sorry, it's been a long one, my friend, but I do appreciate your insight as always. Uh, no, nah, it's all good. I enjoyed it. So, um uh, potentially this is the uh, MO that we use when I'm traveling because it looks like I'm going to be traveling a little bit more than I thought. Um, I might even be away again next week, but uh, I'll be, it'll only be for a day. So let's hope it's not on the day that we choose to podcast. Let's uh, cross, our, cross our fingers there. Yeah, and next time I'll try and use the Skype window instead of the screen capture so that way you won't <laughs> see Inception like you see the Inception now. So, uh, look, thank you for those that have stuck with us and uh, may you hashtag bless your team this weekend. And um, look, let us know. Send us a message on Twitter or Facebook. We'll try and get back to you as soon as we can because it's really going to be at this point in time, it's really a personal situation because all, not team everyone, now, all yeah. teams are different. There's people with 10% players and 5% players and 20%. So it's really going to be situational, um, which is why we're probably better off receiving this message personally. So uh, thanks again and thanks, Chris, and we'll see you all again soon. Catch you later, guys. Thanks. Bye. The C is for the courage I possess through the drama. H is for the hurt, but it's all for the honor. A is for my attitude, working through the patience. Money comes and goes, so the M is for motivation. Gotta stay consistent, the P is to persevere. The I is for integrity, innovative career. The O is optimistic, open and never shut. And the N is necessary, cause I'm never giving up. See, they ask me how I did it, I just did it from the heart. Crushing the competition, been doing it from the start. They say that every champion is all about his principles. Carry.